Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Hey, welcome. I want to thank you for taking the time out to look at us as we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're going to dive right into the Word of God. We are going to begin our study in the book of Colossians. So today's message is called Fruitful Pran. Fruitful Pran. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. Grant unto me, your son and your slave, supernatural divine utterance, that I may boldly may know the mysteries of the gospel. Grant unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints? What is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them that believe? We thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to study um, the book of Colossians. So my assignment for you is to begin to read these four chapters um, daily. Go through it along with your Bible reading so that you can grow and feed your faith and you can be prepared um, next week, I'll go into the background a little bit more, but I'm going to dive right into the text and we're going to talk about fruitful praying. Paul starts out, this is a church that he did not um, build or plant, but this is a church that he's presenting the gospel, presenting the gospel in a new way in which they can understand. So let's go with this. Colossians chapter one, verse one, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, Notice that Paul, start, a lot of, often he'll start out declaring who he is in Christ, what God has called him to. So here he's telling the people of God that he is an apostle. The word apostle simply means a sent one. Today, we have a lot of people calling themselves apostles. Um, I, I'm, in very, I'm very skeptical about their apostleship. I don't believe a lot of these people are really real apostles. Not because I'm trying to hate but it just seems like people think that that's the highest rank in the body of Christ. And really, it's been an apostle back in the Bible days meant that you are willing to risk your life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it wasn't just enough to um, you know, be born again, which was also a risk, but to be an apostle or a minister of the gospel meant that your life was, that you could die any minute. It was not a welcoming environment for ministers. And so Paul is writing from a place of revelation. He's writing from a place of understanding. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, notice that he's a sent one. God, Christ Jesus sent Paul to the Gentiles to deliver the gospel. And he says, by the will of God, so he's not an apostle because he's not a self-made an apostle. He's not a self-made minister. He's not, he didn't choose ministry as a career, but it's a calling. It's a vocation. And so God, by his son, called Paul into the ministry of apostleship. Paul did not start out as an apostle. He started out just mere as a servant of God, and God elevated him over time. He became a teacher, he became a prophet, and eventually became an apostle. And so we see Paul here declaring who he is, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Not just any apostle, but of Christ Jesus. By the will of God 
Notice that it's the will of God. You are what you are by the will of God. Now, if you're a sinner, you're not a sinner by the will of God. If you're out of the will of God, I'm talking about when you're in sync with the kingdom of God and doing what God has called you to, what you were born to do, you're doing it by the will of God. So Paul is an apostle, not because he wanted to be one. Sometimes we take these um, assessment tests, to uh, test. I, I'm not against that. I know in our little kingdom living together um, page on Facebook, we, we, ha we had a test and a personality test. Those things are great. They have their place, but don't get caught up and don't let that give you identification or your ID. Don't allow that to become who you are, but actually look to the word of God, look to God to determine who you really are. You are not what the personality test says you are. You are who God says you are. Again, I'm not against those things, but those things can be um, binding and saying that you, this is who you are. This is your type of personality. But this particular pastor is just saying he's an apostle because of Jesus and because it is the will of God. I want to encourage you to discover your place in the kingdom of God. Many times, many Christians wander off and they're trying to find, what am I here for? What's my purpose? What's my destiny? Why did God create me? And we have those questions. But as you feed, as a Christian, as you feed on the word of God, as you taste and see that the Lord is good and, and you become more and more like Jesus, you'll discover your place in the kingdom of God. And so I want to encourage you to pray along those lines. Yes, pray for your needs. Pray for wisdom and direction, but also pray for you to discover who you are in God's kingdom. What has God called you to? Um, many a times people get caught up in a prophetic word that was spoken over them. But what has God spoken on the inside of you? What has your pastor, who I, I serve as, um, confirmed in your life? And so those are the things you should look at. I said all that. I got that all out of the first verse one. We can go home now. But it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. I, I can even put my name here. and says, Dwayne, a pastor and a teacher of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. I, I didn't call myself to teach. I'd much rather, I mean, my mom would tell you I, I had a stuttering problem. I had a speech problem. I, had a, I went to speech therapy. And I think the lady was like, "You, there's no hope for you. <laughs> um, I couldn't get the these and thous, and, and I couldn't say certain words. It took me a long time to say milk. Um, and I, people laughed at me. <laughs> and, and so what you're seeing is a display of the grace of God. It's a display of God's grace. God took a country boy like myself and made him into a pastor and a teacher. But I'm only by the will of God. It's by the will of God. So Paul is saying he's identifying himself in Christ. He's an apostle in the body of Christ. And it's by the will of God. And then he talks about Timothy, his son in the ministry. Notice Timothy is his son in the ministry. And yet it, it, Timothy is his brother in Christ. So he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. We can, we can just... Just focus on the will of God for a little bit. It's by the will of God that Paul is an apostle. What are you by the will of God? Who, now, I'm not talking about your sinful state. I'm talking about who you are in the kingdom of God. You need to think about the kingdom of God. You need to seek the kingdom of God. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you discover your place. You have a place in the body of Christ. 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. And he goes on, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Notice this, he says, to the saints. He's, write, he's not writing to unbelievers. He's writing to the believers. He's writing to the saints and to the faithful. I love that the Paul, Paul often will say faithful. So there are some saints who are unfaithful. These promises don't belong to them in, this, in one sense because they're unfaithful. He says to the saints and faithful, brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Often Paul will start out his letter with a, a salutation, grace to you, God's unmerited favor to you. And peace, peace from God, shalom, nothing missing and nothing broken in your life from God the Father. So he's blessing them. He's, he's declaring a blessing to this group of believers. And he's letting them know that there's, there's unmerited favor coming your way from the Father. There's peace coming your way. And he goes on, verse 3. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Notice that he's mixing his prayers with thanksgiving. Too often we pray without thanking God. We go right in and we declare what we want. We declare what we need, but we need to take some time to offer up thanksgiving. Clothe your prayers with thanksgiving. Here Paul is thanking God for these believers. When the last time you thank God for the believers that you, the church that you belong to, you thank God for brother so-and-so or brother, um, you know, Frank or brother JC or sister Sherry or so forth. When the last time that you thank God for the members that you are a part of, the church that you're a part of, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So when he's praying for this church, he's thanking God for them. Notice that he's thanking God the Father, and he's, he's very specific. He says, God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's not only thinking. See, many a times Christian, the Christian faith is confused with those who believe in there is one God. And I had a person ask me recently um, that Christian, the Christian God and the Muslim God are the same. And, and I, I disagree with that. Because the Christian God is different than the Muslim God. The Muslim God, they believe in Allah. And I know that word is translated God. But the Christian faith believes in the triune God, which is a whole lot different than just to believe that there's one God that exists. We as Christians believe that there's one God, but yet there's three, the three persons of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is very, it's distinctively Christian. <laughs> it's distinctively Christian. So don't get it confused with other people who believe in one God. It's not the same God. It's not the same God. The God of the Bible is, is, is the true and living God. Uh, so we, we continue. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Let's stop there. So what happened is, Paul heard about their faith. Your faith should be heard about. People should be talking about your faith at your job, in your family, in your community. People should know that you belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to you. There should be a distinction between you 
and so and the unbeliever. Do people know that you serve the, the one and true God, the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Do the world know that, that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior? So here we see that this pastor says, since we've heard of your faith in Jesus, Christ Jesus, and your love that you have for all the saints. So Paul heard about their faith. He heard about their love. Should our church be marked by the love that we have for one to another? The love and the faith. Faith and love are twins. They go hand in hand. Faith works by love. And you really can't love without faith. You love by faith. You forgive by faith. And so here, he heard of their faith and he heard of their love. Verse 5. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. So he talks about this hope that is laid up for every believer. Now, the word hope can be mistranslated. When we think about the word hope, we often think about um, like a wishy hope. I hope I get that stimulus check today. <laughs> uh, I hope they don't lay me off. It's wishy, right? It's wishy, I hope. But the Bible hope is confident expectation. I am confidently expecting something. So Bible hope is a little bit different than worldly or secular hope. It's a expecting. It's you're putting your head out and you're looking for it. Um, Jesus is um, in Titus. Jesus is looked at as the blessed hope. His return is the blessed hope because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. What hope do we have in heaven? What is the hope that we have in heaven? There is a hope. There is an expectation. That is, that, is, that is something that we're looking forward to. The presence of God. The coming of the King. The, that hope that is laid up in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth. Notice that they heard of this hope in the word of truth. And he tells you what the word of truth is. The word of truth is the gospel. Often Paul will refer to the gospel as the word of faith, the word of truth, the word of life. So we have three different manifestations of the gospel, the word of faith, the word of life, and the word of truth. So the word of truth, the word that is full of truth, is the gospel, and the gospel is simply the good news. He says, of this you've heard before in the word. So this hope that is laid up for us, is based on what we heard in the gospel. Let's just pause there and let's go to Romans 1 and Romans 8. We're talking about fruitful praying. Romans 1 and Romans 8. So Romans 1 says this. Verse 16. I am, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So we see here that the gospel is the power of God specifically for salvation. That word salvation means to be saved. It means to be healed and to protect it, to be rescued, to be delivered. So salvation, the gospel equals the power of God. If you want to see the power of God in your life, Get the gospel in your life. There should be a transformation when the gospel saves us because we believe the gospel releases the salvation of the Lord. Romans 8. 
Romans chapter 8, and let's look at verse 24. For in this hope we were saved. What hope? Let's look at verse 23. Not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Notice that the hope that Paul is referring to is that one day that we're going to receive new bodies. That six-pack you always wanted. <laughs> one day we're going to receive new bodies. And so that's the hope that we are saved into or brought into. Let's go back to Colossians 1. Here we have Colossians 1 says, verse 5, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. So we, we were brought into this gospel with the understanding there is a hope for us. There's a hope beyond this world. There's a hope in heaven. Let's go to the next verse, verse 6. Which has to come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and in increasing. Let's stop there. Which has come to you, this, this gospel that has come to you, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. This gospel is bearing fruit around the world. Let me say that again. The gospel is bearing fruit in the entire world. Whenever you hear the gospel being preached, it's going to produce some fruit. There's some who may have said a prayer and may even have asked Jesus into their life, but they're not born again. When the gospel saves you, there's a transformation. You're going to be changed. Jesus does not come inside just to chill and not make, not to shake up some things in your life. One lady who got born again actually said this, that her salvation was a, like, was a, a train wreck, was a train wreck. She had a wonderful life, according to her, as a professor in, at a university, a university and she, her and her lesbian lover had a house and, 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 and she was becoming well known. And then Jesus changed her life through the gospel and her whole life was shipwreck <laughs> or was a train wreck. So everything that she affirmed and knew was turned really right side up <laughs> instead of upside down. It, it, the gospel will change you in that way. And I want to challenge you, if the gospel has not changed you, there's, you might not be saved. You might have mentally agreed with the historical Jesus. You might have really agreed that the Bible is true. But the true transformation, there's something happens when Jesus changes you from the inside and out. When he comes inside, he changes everything. There's going to be a first he, he start dealing with your desires. You'll want to come to church. I, I've never known. The Bible doesn't know of a Christian who doesn't want to come to church. <laughs> the Bible doesn't know a Christian who doesn't want to read their Bible. The Bible doesn't know of a Christian who doesn't want to pray. It is second nature to the Christian to pray. It is second nature for a Christian to want to read and study the scriptures. It's second nature for a Christian to want to be around the saints. So you have to check yourself. 
you have to make sure and examine to see if you're in the faith because this faith and this gospel will change you. And notice that it says that it's bearing fruit and it's increasing. This is why it's important that we have gospel preaching on the airwaves and on the internet and get, getting in book form and getting in, um, in music because we're trying to increase the fruit of it. This gospel will produce some fruit. There's going to be a change in your life. The gospel doesn't just come and, and, you, and make you comfortable, but it changes, it shakes you up. It shakes you up. I, I, I never forget the story of a drug dealer who heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was born again at a park and immediately he was living with his girlfriend. He packed his bags, moved into his mama house, stopped selling drugs and started working for McDonald's minimum wage. That's what the gospel would do. It, it'll change up some things, change your mentality. This gospel shakes up stuff. It does not allow you to stay the same. You can't treat your spouse the, the way you've been treating them. You can't treat your kids the way you've been treating them. You can't even treat your job the way that you've been treating your job. If you who used to steal time <laughs> on your job, um, the, the gospel will shake that up and mess and really mess with you and say, wait a minute, you know, um, you took an extra break. I was guilty of that the other day where I took some time, extra time on my, my lunch break and, and, and I got convicted. Here I am preaching work as worship <laughs> and yet taking that extra 10 minutes to, to rest. It's just not right. It's not right. It, the Holy Spirit convicted me. So this gospel will bear fruit. If, if you have no fruit in your life, um, it, it didn't take root. <laughs> the gospel has to take root and it has to show, the gospel will show up. If you really got born again, it's going to show up in your life. It's going to show up in your speech. It's going to show. Now, you, of course, we, you, you got to be trained. You got to be taught. You got to, you got to, you know, get your mind renewed. But it's going to show up. The gospel will show up in your life. Jesus does not sneak into your life. <laughs> he comes in and he, he's, it, it, you know, it's like what we say is what's inside of a person will eventually comes out, will come out of that person. The same way with the gospel. If you really have received the gospel by faith and you are born again, then there's going to be a change. I heard an old song by Tremaine Hawkins. Change. Oh, what a wonderful change that has come over me. Change will happen in a believer's life. Let's continue. It says, which has come to you, verse 6, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. It also does among you. So this gospel is increasing in the world, bearing fruit, but it also is bearing fruit among you. Since they you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Here he's again, he says, you heard this gospel. Notice you got to hear the gospel. The gospel is not something that you assume. It's something that you hear and God uses your ears to bring about transformation. Now, I can imagine someone saying, what about the deaf person who can't hear? God uses what they can't understand. If it's through Braille or a, a sign language, you know, however God can communicate to them, he'll use it and faith will come. So you heard of it, you heard it and understood. Notice that, 
you got to understand the gospel. Faith is built upon facts. So Bible facts. So you can't have faith for something that you that you don't have knowledge of. <laughs> you know, how, sometimes people talk about blind faith, taking a leap of faith in the dark. That's not the way the Bible operates. He, you know, you might not understand the Trinity completely. None of us do. But we will have some type of knowledge of it. And because of that, by faith, we believe it, we receive it. And so it takes, so these people, they, they heard the gospel and they understood the grace of God in truth. They understood that, that God's a merit of favor towards them in Jesus. Verse 7, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ, and on your behalf, he has made known to us your love in the spirit. So this guy, Epaphras, was their minister. He was a faithful minister, Paul called. So you, you can pray for your pastor. Say, pray, Father, we pray for Pastor Dwayne that he'll be a faithful minister. That's a good prayer to pray. Lord, deliver him from strange women. Deliver him from strange men. Deliver him from people with ungodly motives. That's a good prayer to pray. So pray that I'll be faithful, faithful to God, faithful to the call, faithful to the leadership of the spirit. So this minister, Epaphras, he was a minister of the gospel. And on your behalf, he has made known to us your love in the spirit. Is there love in the spirit? Do you, you have love that is born of the spirit of God. That's what he, he, he's, he's saying. And verse 9 says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. That, so when you hear of somebody receiving Christ, begin to pray for them. One, the enemy is not happy that they changed families, <laughs> family. They changed camp. They changed kingdoms. Begin to pray for them. He says, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. And this is what he prayed. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Many times I've preached about this prayer. And, and, and let's dive into it a little bit more. We're praying. Um, we, we're talking about fruitful praying. He's praying that God will fill them with the knowledge of his will. There is a will of God. There is a will of God. Often we, we want to be funny with it. <laughs> he says, well, God wants me to have this black suit on today, a black shirt on today. Mm, maybe, most likely, he doesn't care. <laughs> he, he, he really doesn't care. If it's not a distraction, it, it's, it's not a major issue. You know, I know people say, well, the Lord told me to put this shirt on. If the Lord is always telling you to put a shirt on, put, those are things that you should do automatically without the Lord after telling you. The Lord doesn't, shouldn't have to tell you to pay your bills. I mean, that's, that's given in the word. The Lord should not have to tell you to pay your tithes. I'm led by the Lord by, with my tithes. No, the Lord tells you what to do with your money. Um, uh, 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 the Lord told me um, to, to stop cussing. 
I mean, well, <laughs> I mean, granted. <laughs> I mean, that that's just that's just common sense, right? Sometimes we get so super dumb deep that we miss out on the simplicity of Christianity. And yet it's complex, right? <laughs> Here, Paul says, I've heard of your faith and, and, and your love. I heard your faith of Jesus and I heard your love in the spirit and love towards all the saints. I did not stop to pray for you. And Paul, and there's a scripture in Galatians that he says, I'm praying that Christ will be formed in you. We should pray for a person until Christ is formed in them. That takes some time. <laughs> I have me know that we all need to be more and more like Jesus. And so there was those attitudes, those, those mindsets. God wants to form us into the image of his dear son. And here Paul is praying that this, these believers will be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Let, let's, let's stop there and go over to Ephesians. We'll come right back. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Here it says, Ephesians chapter 4, and let's look at, um, actually it's Ephesians chapter 5, and let's look at verse 15, 16, 17, and 18. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. I mean, you know, we've got to make best use of this time. You know, they're talking about things are going back to normal and, and you know, what we used to be at home. Maybe we need to, you know, kind of adjust some things to stay at home a little bit more. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be foolish and be ignorant of God's will. Don't go around praying for God's will when you haven't read the word. His word is his will. His will is his word. You're praying for his will because you feel a need to, to discover something specifically that he has for you. When in turn, he's like the Holy Spirit is praying that you read the word and study the word. You got to study the word. There, there's a general will of God. We know that God doesn't want us to fornicate. For those who are married, he doesn't want us to commit adultery. For the, he doesn't want us to steal, lie, cheat. He wants us to love our spouses. He, he wants us to be faithful at our church, faithful in our job, faithful to each other. Th these are things that in which the Lord wants. And so that's part of his will. That's his will for our lives. He wants us not to be complainers. So stop complaining. That's a sin. If you, when you complain, that's, he says, do all things without murmuring and complaining and disputing. But in, in everything, give thanks. Give thanks. Instead of if your, if your job got reduced, right, to shorten your hours like mine did recently, uh, let's thank God. Lord, thank you, Father. It's an extra day I can spend with the family. It's an extra day I can spend with, the, with you and I can work on the vision and the calling of my life. And so don't complain, but offer of thanksgiving in everything. Don't thank God for the layoff, but thank God in the layoff, right? That's the will of God. And so he says, um, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord? Many times people are looking for the will of the Lord in coronavirus. The will of the Lord is for it to be gone. <laughs> I mean, that's the will of the Lord. The will of the Lord is for you to understand that he, he is the Lord of your life. He's protecting you. He's given his angels charge of you. And no plague, no plague should come nigh your dwelling. 
That's the will of the Lord. The will of the Lord is for you to be filled with the Spirit. The will of the Lord is for you to love your, love your enemies and pray for those to despitefully use you. He says, understand what the will of the Lord is, verse 19, 18, and do not be drunk with wine. Notice the Bible doesn't say you can't drink, but he says, don't be drunk with wine. Those who are getting drunk, and you know that that's a weakness, so don't even drink wine. If that's a weakness, don't drink alcohol. He says, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Instead of getting drunk with wine, get drunk with the Spirit. Get filled up with the Spirit. That's the will of the Lord. Let's go back to Colossians 1, verse 8. He says, from the day we heard it, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. So he's praying that they, they will know the will of God. There is a will of God. There is a purpose of God for your life. What is it? First, get in the word and you'll understand the general will of God. Pray and you'll understand the specific will of God. Let me say that again. Get in the word so you can know the general will of God. And if you're praying, spend time with God daily, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you his specific will for your life. There's not a book of PD. So I don't know the specifics by just reading, but the general will lead me to the specific as I'm faithful. It is the will of God for every man to work. Let me say it again. It is the will of God for every man to work. The Bible says a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. So God uses hunger to motivate a man to work. It's one thing if you're on disability and you're not able to work, there's no condemnation, right? But, but you got to put your hands to something. He says he'll bless the work of your hands. But if your hands is not touching anything, there's nothing for him to bless. He says he'll bring all things to your remembrance. If you never memorize things and commit your mind to something, you know, there's nothing for him to bring to your remembrance. So God tells us what to do with our bodies. To, um, he says, present our bodies as a living sacrifice. So you're not allowed to just do whatever you want with your body. You, you got to, you know, make sure your body's in shape. And I know I've gained a couple pounds since this coronavirus. <laughs> um, my wife's been cooking up a storm. Thank God. <laughs> but also I, I have to take care of it. I have to be faithful over my body. Then also God tells us what to do with our minds. He wants um, bodies to be offered as sacrifices, and he wants our minds to be renewed. He wants our minds to be changed. Then he also wants our spirits to, to be in tune be, that we, for us to pray by the Spirit and pray in the Spirit. And so he tells us what to do with all of us. Let's continue. He says, be filled with the knowledge of his will. Notice Ephesians says, be filled with the knowledge, be filled with the Spirit, Colossians, it says, being filled with the word or with the will of God. Be filled with the knowledge of his will. Do you have a working knowledge of the will of God? Do you know what God wants for humanity? Do you know what God wants for you? If we're confused about those things, then the word of God has been given to us to straighten out our thinking. Be filled with the knowledge of his will. And not just in general, it's not enough to know the will of God. Let me say that again. It's not enough to know the will of God, but you got to have some spiritual wisdom and understanding. The knowledge is the what. Knowledge is the what. The understanding is the why. The wisdom 
is the how and the when. Let me say that again. Knowledge is the what. What is the will of God, right? What does God want from me, right? The, then the understanding is why. So, you're, so Paul is praying, be filled, may they be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So he wants them to know why, the why of God's will, and he wants them to know the timing, the when, and the how of God's will. So let's say God's called you to be a doctor. It's going to take 10 years of schooling, right? And so he gives you the wisdom of when to go, when to enroll, how to get the money, and how to pace yourself. And so it's not enough to have the knowledge, the what of the will, but we got to know the why, the how, and the when. You can, you can be in the will of God. You can get something from God and be out of sync with his will. It could be premature. Some people go into ministry prematurely. They go because they're not ready. You know what I'm saying? You, you gotta, gotta understand these things, the timing of it. With the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So he's praying that they'll know the will, will of God, but they'll have wisdom and understanding. Verse 10, so that so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. The reason why Paul wants them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will and wisdom and spiritual understanding is so that they can walk in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. They can walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I don't know about you, but I want fruit in my, out of my life. I want to have eternal fruit, fruit that remains. I, want, I don't want my labor to be in vain. I don't want my life to be in vain. The Bible says in Psalm, I believe Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, our labor is in vain. Unless the Lord is behind it, we'll labor in vain. So God wants us to know his will, have spiritual understanding, spiritual wisdom, but he also wants us to birth fruit, fully pleasing him, burn fruit in every good work. Don't you want to know, that, don't you want your hands to be blessed, every, everything you touch and is blessed? Because you're in the will of God. And it says to increase in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power. It takes strength to walk with God. Some of us have been walking in our own power and our own strength. But he says, be strength, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So he's praying that there will be strength, that the Lord will strengthen these believers with his power, which is according to his glorious might. For what? Why do, you, why do you need strength? So you can endure, so that you can have patience with joy. That's the reason why God wants to strengthen you, so you can stand in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his, dear, his, his beloved son in whom we have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. So Paul is thanking the father who has qualified these believers to be partakers of the inheritance and the saints and light. So he's praying for 
them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, with spiritual wisdom and understanding. He's also praying that they will walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him and bearing fruit in every good work. I want to be a Christian who bears fruit. I want to be faithful and I want to be a fruit bearer. I want to have fruit in my prayers, fruit in my life, fruit for my teaching, fruit for my thinking. I, I, want, to, I want to be a tree planted by the rivers of water that's producing something that is eternal, that people can look back and see the works of Jesus in my life. And then he goes on, he, he gives thanks. He, he started thanking the Father who made them to, be, to have an inheritance. And he turns around and he says, And Jesus has delivered you from the powers of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of his dear son. The Father has delivered you from the powers of darkness. We're no longer connected with the kingdom of darkness. Now we're part of the kingdom of God's dear son. And he talks about in whom we have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray for your people. I pray that they may be filled with the fullness of God, filled with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that they may walk worthy of you, Lord, fully pleasing you, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. I thank you, Father. I thank you, giving you thanks that you have qualified them, made them partakers of the inheritance in the saints of light. You have delivered them from the power of darkness and translated them into the kingdom of your dear son in whom they have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. May this be a re living reality in their lives. May they understand the will of God. God, I pray they understand it in such a way that they cannot deny it. And the reason why they need to know the will of God is so they can walk in a way that's pleasing to you. Make us pleasing in your sight. May we increase in the knowledge of God. May we bear fruit in every good work. God, I ask you in Jesus' name, change us from the inside out. God, I pray that you'll transform us. May we know and understand the will of God. May we have spiritual wisdom and understanding. May we, may we produce fruit everywhere we go. Let this church produce fruit. Help us to make disciples. God, it's really what's matter in light of eternity that's more important than now. God, I pray that we'll make disciples for your glory. May we have spiritual strength. May, we, may you strengthen your people with all might, with all power according to your glorious strength and might so that we may endure and with patience, with joy. Father, may we endure. May we have endurance. May we not be flaky at any given trial. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, 
There's times in which God will strengthen you because he knows a trial is coming. And sometimes people get flaky. And when a trial comes, it knocks them off their faith. Oh, I thought God loved me. I mean, really? Really? You basing what you're going through, whether or not God loves you or not? Just look at Jesus. He loves you. It's not enough to, to just kind of have life perfect and, and, and that determines whether or not God loves you. You're going to be, you're going to go through trials. That's part of this life. And so therefore, Paul is praying for this church that they will have strength to endure with patience, with joy. Let me read that. Being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. It's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. So we, we receive strength from bringing joy to him. So if my life is producing uh, um, fruit and I'm pleasing the Lord and he gives me strength so that I can endure. So I won't fall. I'll be unwavered. I'll be unmoved. I'm going to end there. May the Lord bless you as you study this passage, this, this, these four chapters. May they impact your life. In Jesus' name, amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.